0: If the narr- if, Even in economical development, if the narrative about a continent is bad, then who will invest? Who will come in? If the people themselves cannot tell their own story in the way they want and the way they see it fit, then somebody will do that for them.
1: Welcome to Urban Limitroph. A Toronto based podcast exploring the global African experience by highlighting the various initiatives happening in cities across the African continent and occasionally the diaspora to creatively solve problems, support communities, create vibrant urban spaces, and build better cities overall. I'm your host, Alexandra, and join me as I explore this episode's topic visual storytelling. This episode is sponsored by the University of Toronto School of Cities. The School of Cities convenes urban-focused researchers, educators, students, practitioners, and the general public to explore and address complex urban challenges with the aim of making cities and urban regions more sustainable, prosperous, inclusive, and just. To learn more about their work, visit schoolofcities.utoronto.ca. This episode is also co-sponsored by the University of Toronto's Department of Geography and Planning. To learn more about their work and the different undergraduate and graduate programs available, please visit geography.utoronto.ca. In 2021, a report by the non-profit organization, Africa No Filter, titled How African Media Covers Africa, revealed that one third of all coverage on Africa was from non-African sources, with the Agence France Presse, the AFP, and the British Broadcasting Corporation, the BBC, accounting for one quarter of all stories found in African outlets about other African countries. The report also found that 13% of the news focused on political violence, civil unrest, and armed conflict, and that 50% of the editors surveyed acknowledged that there were stereotypes in the stories being published. The report also revealed that not only is coverage of major sections of the continent missing, but that stories about local people and more positive success stories and topics such as innovation on the continent were missing as well. These results reflect findings from another 2019 report by a group called Africa Narrative that examined the depiction of Africa and Africans in the U.S. media, and found that when it comes to scripted media, that 44% of TV shows only mention Africa, with no reference to a particular country, and even when the continent is mentioned, over one-third of the time it's in reference to crime. These negative stereotypes shape not only how the rest of the world sees the continent, but has real-world impacts on the types of investments that are made in Africa, and most importantly, how local people see themselves. Some of the key reasons for this lack of proper coverage is a lack of resources and the unequal distribution of media freedoms. So it got me thinking, what would happen if you put the power of storytelling in the hands of local people? What stories would be told? What heroes would be celebrated? what communities would be built? And most importantly, how would that change the way local people saw themselves? So I was grateful to chat with Paul Ninsen, who is working to achieve just that and build Ghana's first photo library called the Dekhan Center. The center will be based in Accra and will be a cultural, educational, and community hub that welcomes locals and all members of the diaspora to learn and celebrate the art of visual storytelling. While Paul has yet to break ground on the building site, the center is already getting a lot of buzz thanks to his hard work of collecting over 30,000 photography books for the library and a feature on the well-known Humans of New York Instagram page back in September, where he shared his fascinating story of adversity, family, creativity, determination, and ultimately triumph to bring his dreams to reality and fundraise over a million dollars to get the center up and running. So to learn more about this exciting project, let's tune in.
0: I'm Pornensen, a photographer and a filmmaker who now is the head of um, Decan Centre, which is a, a non-profit champion in visual education in Ghana and in Africa as a whole. Um, I started photography th- four years ago with the goal of self-expression and a goal to make a living. Yeah. So that's the brief and simple parts of who I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so um, can you unpack a bit more about what is the work that the decan Center does?
0: So decan the, the background of decan is that, you know, I gained admission to study in U.S. And whilst I was here, I realized that there's so many opportunities and other things here which are not in my country. So then it became apparent that um, I, I find a way to help uh, my fellow Ghanaians and Africans have opportunity to tell their own story, so that is how I started, and I started collecting photography books, and so now the center is a whole institution. Will be a whole institution on its own. We are gonna champion visual education, equity. You know how to help Africans to use visual storytelling in uh, innovative and socially responsible way.
1: And I know, as you mentioned, you're still in the beginning kind of stages of this process. Um, And you touched briefly about how you were collecting books and all these different things you've been doing um, that were kind of launched by, you know, your studies here in the States. But for those listening who aren't familiar with the the full story that was like done, you know, by Brandon on you, uh, the founder of Humans in New York that was exploring um, like your story, the center and the associated fundraiser that was created to help kind of get this project up and running. Can you walk us through sort of like the process so far of getting to this point?
0: Yeah, so, you know, Brandon helped me, um, we met accidentally in Ghana and that time i'd gain admission here but i didn't have the money to come so bannon helped me get to us so we've been friends since i've been here and he didn't know i was collecting books you know he knew i have a pure heart of helping africans helping other people but then when he found out that i have these books and i want to build a center in ghana and you know give opportunity to people that is when he decided to help me tell my story, because you already knew most of my story and be able to help me and help my vision come to a reality. So that's how it happened. And yeah, we raised 1.3 million US dollars so far. And with the books, I think we we are off to a good start.
1: And how many books have you like collected so far?
0: Right now I lost count, but I think <laughs> <one>. <laughs> the last time was 30,000. Wow,
1: <laughs> that's a lot of books. And so how does, yeah, the process of collecting these different books? Yeah,
0: it was, it was difficult a lot, especially during the pandemic, you know, because everybody had things going on and every, um, everything was closed. But then for me, I was constantly pushing, reaching out to people in every ways, every means possible to get books, donation and other support to make this happen. And some of most of the times I bought it with my own money.
1: And so who are these people that you're reaching out to? Like I know, for example, um, so I used to work for the Toronto Public Library and we have like a lot of books that um, either sometimes people donate and they go into like our system, but sometimes um, they take them and they like put them for sale or even like at the University of Toronto where I'm studying, they have like these massive like book sales and stuff like that. So I wonder, are there like particular institutions that were, um, that have provided donations or has it all been just individual people with like kind hearts and big libraries (laughs) who are willing to give you some books?
0: Uh, In the beginning, nobody knew, you know, nobody knew me, you know, nobody knew what I was doing, you know. So I guess it was much more of me reaching out to them, you know, and saying, hey, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. And some responded, some never responded. But for me, getting the African books were very important to me.
1: And so why is having a center dedicated to like visual storytelling based in Africa? Why is that so important? Because I know like on your website it's written like visual education is essential to Africa's development. And so if you can unpack that and help us to understand a bit more about the rationale behind the center.
0: Um, A weak society, or I would say um, a stagnant society is a society where people don't know their visual history. You know, where people don't even know their history at all. How do you build confidence? when you don't know yourself and your history and where you come from. You know, so for me, that has been my huge thing because if the narrative, even in economical development, if the narrative about a continent is bad, then who will invest, who will come in? If the people themselves cannot tell their own story in the way they want and the way they see it fit, then somebody will do that for them. And over the years, we've seen that narrative for a long time. It started with colonialism. They gave a reason (laughs) to invade people. They gave a reason to sell people for slavery. They did give a reason, (laughs) and they will always give a reason for that. But then if you own your own narrative and say counter-narrative even to some of the perception, it's like then people are like, oh, I didn't see it this way. Because over the years... People have been pushing, the media has been pushing so much of a single narrative. And for me, that is what the representation that lacks in the system of today. So for me, I'm like, why don't we tell our own stories? Even for ourselves. Not for the fact that we need to tell the story for someone in the West to see as good. We don't care. I don't care. But even if Kenyans can know the story of Ghana, you know, how beautiful that will be. And that Africans be able to know their own story, their heritage. And I think that's the beauty. And also, it's very empowering. It's the most powerful thing to do, to teach somebody to tell his own story. I think it's powerful than anything else, to teach someone to use the tools to tell its own story, whether it be it writing, whether whether it be drawing, whether through photography and filmmaking, animation, the ability to for some an African to tell his own story is the most powerful tool you can ever, because that has been the tool they've used to suppress a lot of people. So back then, so now looking back and I'm like, okay, let's Africans have their own way to tell their own stories rather than always there's been an ecosystem of siphoning information stories from Africa for the amusement and for other people, but the continent itself do not. It's wrong. There's several organizations that are doing that and it's wrong. So for me, it's like how best we could do this. And
1: that focus on storytelling and giving people the tools to tell their own stories is a part of the center and the story behind the center that I think is really, really important, really interesting. And I like how that even feeds into like some of the programming that I know you've envisioned (laughs) to to take place in this center. And I really like that um, a lot of it will be free, um, free education to help build the next generation of visual storytellers. And so, um, yeah, can you share some of the ideas uh, of like Like on the website, I had read that there's like the decan lab and there may be some like teen photo uh, programming and other things that are going on that you, so what are you envisioning for this space?
0: A lot, I'm envisioning a lot of things, you know, um, I do this all day, I I had this sleep because whenever I'm sleeping, I'm thinking about the things I could do, the things which is possible now that I have the resources, you know, for example, we cannot boast in Africa, a number of female photographers and filmmakers. Why? (laughs) Why can't we have female photographers and filmmakers? You know, so for me, it's like, okay, one of the first projects we're going to do, Fellowship for Female Photographers and Filmmakers, then we can grow it on and on and on. You know, some of the things we're going to do is just make photography as simple as it is, that everybody can participate in the act of photography. Everybody can be able to do something with photography, understand photography, even it doesn't necessarily have to be, everyone has to be a photographer. But everyone has to understand photography in a way that will empower the person in his own endeavor of self-expression. Kids, how can we use photography, filmmaking, visual storytelling to empower kids? Let me tell you, when I was a kid, I used to struggle a lot with math. But then everybody says, if you don't pass math, you won't be successful. But then I knew how to draw. Nobody in my class knew how to draw. So that means I'm not part of it. That means I'm not, I'm considered as a smart person. I'm considered as somebody who is not academically good. (laughs) But I could draw, I could paint. You know, so that what makes me And that is the biggest problem even in our society today. Everybody want to be a doctor. Everybody want to be a scientist. But in the bottom line, even today, if we talk about climate change, talk about all these things, some of the things need to be visualized for people to understand. So for me, these are some of the programs. And most of the times, a lot of people are being trained in isolation. Photographers, filmmakers have been trained in isolation imagine bringing a scientist somebody who can code software engineer the business person and the photographer in the same room and work together for each other to understand each other imagine what that can be and that is the future and be able to do that in an african way
1: yeah that's yeah that's super important so i, I like how the the center, the way you've explained it, that the center will be a like uh, an incubator, not just for talent, but most importantly, for community.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the community is huge, because when I started photography, I didn't have a community. Even <laughs> to ask questions was difficult. How can somebody become a storyteller when there's no resources like that? So now I'm like, OK, let's do it. Let's bring people together. Let's bring your Africans together. And there are a lot of things we're planning, a lot of things we're planning. And I just see the prospects and the things which are coming and I'm, sometimes I'm, I'm worried for myself <laughs> how daunting this is gonna be, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the work. I'm ready to, you know, one of the programs we're trying to do um, is an exhibition and we're just waiting to get it done. And that will be one of the best exhibitions in Africa. I can guarantee that.
1: Do you want to unpack a bit more about that proposed exhibition just to get people excited for what's to come?
0: <laughs> uh, because of the permissions and th- some of the things we need, I cannot go into detail in it, but we're going to have an annual exhibition, a huge annual exhibition where African Americans can be part of it. You know, Ghana is the home for many African Americans. So most of the times, exhibitions have been done in isolation of this is. Um, They will say Accra Photo Festival. Heck no. No. Let's bring everybody together. It's not about Accra. The venue is Accra. But a lot of people will see works which they've never seen before. So that is what we're doing.
1: Oh, that's exciting. (laughs) I can't wait to see it when when it's finally available and there's more information about it. Um, so going back to your like kind of description about the different programming, I think one kind of theme that I got from what you're saying is also representation when you were talking about math. It made me think of, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, like hidden figures that came out a few years ago. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then just exploring this whole like hidden history, literally of these like black women who were these mathematical like geniuses that have, you know, allowed us to, literally enter this beyond the stratosphere and, and discover space thanks to their um, innovations, ingenuity and intelligence. But like on the flip side, when they talk about um, like when you look at the overall representation of like Black women or, or Black people in STEM, it's not that high. And so similarly thinking about, um, you know, in photography, thinking about how important it is to have someone who's looks like you doing the work that you're doing in order to inspire you to go on and, and, and do it as well.
0: Yes, yes, and exactly, you know, it's about community, it's about education, and it's about inspiration. The name of the center is Dikan. In our local dialect means that, in our local dialect means take the lead. You know, we want people to take the lead, to do whatever they want, to be inspired to, you know, and that's the point, if people are supposed to take the lead, it will change a lot of things. You know, so, yeah, basically, that's that's all.
1: And so speaking about, yeah, the Akan language um, and, and the culture and the community, I think something that was interesting when we last spoke, you mentioned how like the very design of the building would be oriented around like the traditional ways of storytelling. So mm-hmm. can you share more about like this idea and also about the Akrafanmu symbol and how it informs the design of the, of the building?
0: Yeah, so um, in the beginning, you mentioned about representation and I want to emphasize on that a lot of people always want to check the blacklist <laughs> check i have a black person but then it's not just that it's about representation having diverse opinion in our place to talk about things which are never been spoken about and there a lot of people like to empower one black person especially today i'm like you know i'm all over the place and it's easy for organization to say, oh, you know, want to help Paul, but I'm like, no, you have to build a system that will help Africans like me. And that is the representation you need, not just an empowering of one person, but an empowering of generation. And, you know, the building and the same thing I'm saying this is that this is for Africans. Whoever has an attachment of name of African-American, African-UK, African-Canadian, whatever it is, African. This center is for people of African descent. And everything we design and everything we're doing has a relation to that. Even the building, the building, the, the, the symbol, the, the shape of the building is a shape of leadership in Ghanaian um, traditional society you know, is a, 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 a emblem um, around the, the king's neck and the uh, queen's neck. And it shows leadership. It shows um, a sense of community and power. And that is why we are doing every single thing in a way to represent Africans. And is, you know, so that is the the background to how and why we designed that and the, and the incredible symbols we use. And more will be coming. You know, just this the tip of the iceberg, you know, as my team and I, we're working on designing the building to maybe it might change a little bit, but it will be the same and we will be able to figure out a way to make it more common.
1: And so another insightful thing that you mentioned is that, um, yeah, this is a space for the entire like African diaspora, regardless of where you're coming from, from the Caribbean, from the UK, you know. Um, but then another thing I was thinking about was the actual location of the center in Accra, because, you know, through the various interviews I've had already for this podcast alone, I spoke with Sandy from Surf Ghana and the work that they're doing in the city. I spoke with the Maui Phillips and the Mafra Foundation and the work that they're doing for children in the city. And then even, I had spoken recently with Liz Gomis, and she's a uh, um also from the African diaspora, but then she does a magazine. And that first issue of that magazine was literally about Accra. <laughs> and so it's obvious that this is a very like cultural, uh, a cultural hub, but it's also a creative hub. And so I wanted to hear from your perspective, you know, what is it about the city that like inspired you to like kind of select it for the site?
0: I mean, for me, you know, um, it's more about the community, sense of community. Sense of belonging. I don't want to build a building. I don't want to select a place where is, people cannot come. So even now, it's like we're constantly, constantly figuring out a way where this will be helpful to everybody. You know, that everybody can be able to come and join us. You know, so the location itself, like Osu, you know, Labadi, is just full of energy. Jamestown, full of energy full of normal regular people who on a normal day will never have access to some facility like that you know and that is why is a bit of my hard desire to be able to present it at a place where everybody can have access to it
1: and so given that it is Yes, it's in a central location, and like you said, it's all about making this cultural space like accessible for the communities nearby. How have you envisioned that the like local community will be involved with the development of the project, like the people in Accra?
0: So yes, so the people of Accra will be much involved because um, it's a it's a space it's a space for everyone, you know, and there are programs we are designing. Which will bring older people, younger people, kids, everybody to the center. You know, it will, it will go just beyond photography. You know, it will be a space where, in the evening, how hard it is that we all come together and watch a movie together. Of course, you know how hard it is that we could be able to have a exhibition where an uneducated woman can come in and be educated. How can we have an exhibition which is welcome to everyone? And that is my goal.
1: So this initiative is the first of its kind (laughs) in the the country. And so I was wondering what kind of supports, uh, whether they be like policies or like partnerships, do you think that like cities should offer like nonprofits like yourself to help establish these cultural centers and expand this cultural programming, given that it's such an important part of of, like city life and building community?
0: Yeah, um, I think there'll be a time people cannot resist some organizations like us. (laughs) <laughs> ghana is changing the 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 system is changing the cultural and art space is changing you know and I think as time goes on, there will be more policies towards that of where people could be able to uh have resources support from the government from individual people to make this happen uh I think more policies needs to be done made where it could be um more friendly for some of us who are dedicating and sacrificing every bit of our money and resources to give to our society and grow our society so for me i think that that is one of the huge thing that needs to um it's been a long journey for me you know i'm just young i'm very young you know and to take up this mantle is can be exhausting sometimes so if there are things which are favorable even financial things you know policy wise you know documents you know that can be favorable to some organizations like us to be able to do the government cannot do everything you know so yeah uh, uh these are some of the things i look forward that you know people policies and uh and some of the things for me if the policy do not come i'll go to the policy <laughs> you know, because I have to, you know, because of longevity, because of what we're doing not for us for the next 15 generations to come.
1: Yeah. I like that. Going to the policymakers, <laughs> making them see uh, the importance of this work and trying to see how we can build it together. And so I know you're at the beginning of stages of this project now that, you um, you kind of have these resources secured and, and you have all these brilliant ideas that are like boiling in your head, ready to come to life. I was just wondering what's next for the Deccan Center.
0: So we, one of the first thing we're going to do is, you know, we, I can only use my experience and the advice from people, but if you're building something for other people, you need to listen to them. You need to know what they want and what the ideas over there. In our local dialect, we say that wisdom does not dwell in one man's head. You know, that means a lot of people are wise, people have wisdom. So we're going to do our first event um, to just open meet and greet, you know, to meet people and listen to them. And for me, as a founder and the CEO of um, this organization, listen to people and their voices and what they need and be able to incorporate into our strategy and our policy. And again, we are working on starting the CAN as soon as possible. Hopefully by early next year, the center, we are renting a property to, um, we are securing a property to, you know, make use of it to help other people. And the can will start from there and later on in the now, down two years, three years down the line, focus on building.
1: Okay. So basically you're describing kind of like, yeah, an engagement process of, getting people getting their insights seeing what they want to see in the space and Mm -hmm. as well with the overall guiding principle of creating of course the final center so that's interesting
0: yes so we yes we 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 start and people think that we're going to wait and build the center no i'm not going to wait and build the center we're just going to start and finish it as soon as possible
1: Mm -hmm. and so how can people get involved with the growth of your initiative and getting the the center up and running
0: yeah, I mean, look, every everyone is welcome. You know, I receive emails from people and I reply them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm such a person who's very friendly and open person. And I listen to people, I seek advice in every way and people can help, you know. Uh, we, we're currently working on a, a program where every year people who want to come for an exchange program, who want to come and teach in the camp center, those who want to come and help us pack books, those who want to come and help us, you know, do an outreach program, um, the the architects, the engineers, the innovators and all that, those who are willing to come and work with us will be able to have a system in place where they can be able to come in and say, you know, we're donating our weekend, our summer break to come and help the center and build it. And this is what I'm looking out for and always welcome for people. You know, in most of the schools, they have... Um, uh, exchange programs. So it's like, hey, if you want to have your exchange program in Ghana, come to Decan Center. You know, We will give you the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to learn, and the opportunity to um, uh, make meaningful impact in the world.
1: I like that. So creating these international ties and opportunities for people to I guess people in Accra not only to learn from people abroad, but also people from abroad to learn from uh, Accra and 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 the community there and the culture there as well.
0: Yes, and uh, again, um, one of the things I really appeal to African Americans is to come and visit. Um, so don't don't be too quick to go to Paris and London again and again and again, and it's like you know, come back home to where you your ancestors come from to see for yourself and don't let someone tell you your history in a bad way (laughs) you know when you come you know where you come from and what the society you you belong to
1: yeah and i think that's a really important point i know for me like ex- going to the continent, going to the the DRC where my family's from, going to Lumumbashi and seeing firsthand um, what it's like um, in this particular corner of the world that has been so poorly portrayed, <laughs> you know, in, in the media to be there and just kind of like uh, taking everything has been really, I don't know, it's had such a big impact in my life and how I see things and how I understand also myself and my cultures and also connecting yeah, back to my roots. I like to think that it was also that trip that kind of catalyzed this whole project of trying to understand, you know, what's out there and trying to shine a, a brighter light on the continent than the one that's usually being there.
0: Exactly. And uh, and for us, as institutions, institution, it's our responsibility to, to help people come back, you know, to help people have access to things. You know, for example, um, people struggle to get visa to come to Ghana. You know like how do we go about this you know even when they come where would we stay and as an institution we want to make experience of people like that coming to ghana meaningful so my team and i we're working on even logistics you know accommodations and other things partner with institutions um, hotels and other people in ghana where um people come in will be easy and smooth for them as long as the person's willing to come and for the long-term, the long term, we have a long-term goal. And we hope that we could be able to achieve that, that can build a whole system and facility for people of the African diaspora to have a place when they come to visit and make it easy for them.
1: That's a good point. You mentioned logistics. So thinking about,
0: yeah, the logistics
1: of all these like moving parts, especially like those 30,000 or so books that you have yeah where are you keeping them right now? <laughs> oh you're preparing for the construction and all that stuff
0: so um in terms of logistics um I've been lucky you know I built a system of collecting books <laughs> and shipping books, and I've been glad to have the um ghanaian community in Bronx helping i have shipping agents over there uh I have some of the books in in Queens, I have the books in my apartment. Uh, even yesterday, some of uh, my team members received a large sum, large boxes of books, and um, I, I've been fortunate to have a strong team around me helping me to do this. So it's it's an expensive venture. <laughs> People don't know the behind the scenes of how expensive to rent a storage unit in New York. It's really expensive, you know. And I've been lucky you now we've been able to raise some money to build that system. And even, you know, the money is just a small piece of the whole puzzle. We need more, you know, to finish and complete the project. And even now, uh, aside the building, you know, infrastructures like laptops, desktops, you know, um, cameras to teach, projectors and all that. We still need that, you know, and we're working tired and we're working day and night too be able to get some of these things to be able to facilitate teaching and learning in Ghana.
1: Yeah, was a lot of moving parts and a lot of yeah different components that, but they're all going to a worthwhile cause so. <laughs> it's all good. I know, I know. I know. Awesome. Well, that was my kind of last question for for now, but. um I'll just add. I look forward to like checking in with you again to see how these things, how the project is progressing, and what other things you've learned along the way, and um, get people excited about what's coming to the city, and hopefully get people out to go visit it and see all the different things that you have going on because it sounds very, very, very exciting.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, I look forward to what possible um, this could turn into, and I always say that's not about me. It's about the people, it's about what we can do and build for the other people. So um I'm looking forward. This is gonna be exciting and it's gonna be huge. I'm I'm even the people I'm talking to and the anticipation is is really good. And I have it has good energy and people see the sense in what I'm doing and uh I'm looking forward to leading this, you know, through the taking all the challenges and the mistakes and everything. But still and even with that, it's like how do you groom the next generation of people in leadership in art? And that is something I'm looking forward to, to have people who are willing to come as interns, people who are willing to come in just to learn. And I'm really particular about, you know, Africans in their diaspora and any other person who is willing to come and learn, who is willing to come and help and in, a, in make a difference in people's life.
1: Africa No Filter's 2021 report provides three recommendations. First, It recommends raising awareness about the stereotypical nature in which Africa is portrayed in the media and committing to providing better coverage. Second, it recommends increasing international collaboration between media professionals so that they can share resources and photos and videos that would allow for more countries to be covered. And finally, it recommends investing in African journalism. This means not just training, finding, and celebrating local storytelling talent, but it also means having access to good photographs and videos that are often hard to get a hold of. So I look forward to the possibilities that a library like the Decan Centre could bring, because having a space where the next generation of storytellers can hone their craft is a big step towards flipping the dominant negative narrative about the continent. Thanks for listening to this episode. To learn more about Paul's journey and the DeCon Center, please visit www.deconcenter.org. For this episode's show notes and other resources, make sure to visit www.urbanlimitrof.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media at Urban Limitrove to stay up to date and stay tuned for new episodes coming your way. Until next time! Thank you